Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, February 7th. Sox are taking a little bit of a breather following um, big week-to-day gains. So the S&P futures are trading down about 8 to 9 points. That's about 25 basis points. Europe is down about 25 to 30 basis points. And most of the major Asian indices finished in the red. Um, you know, just keep in mind, obviously, the S&P is up big week-to-date, and Europe is also up about, um, you know, 3 to 4%, depending on the index. So, it was a it was a busy morning of news. There was a lot of information to sift through. I think kind of once um, you you pick your head up, though, there really doesn't um, there really wasn't anything that kind of changes anyone's views dramatically on the market. So the eco data today was was pretty bleak. Um, you had numbers out of Germany, France, Taiwan, Japan. All of them were were bad. Um, China was supposed to have added its January trade numbers, but they are going to be delaying those publications. Um, you know, China for the most part will publish its January and February figures together in March to account for the New Year's holiday, just to kind of smooth out the economic effects of that um, event. So the trade numbers are just going to really be, um, um, they're going to be now consistent with the rest of the, how the rest of the economic data is published. So I don't read too much into that. Um, As far as the coronavirus is concerned, nothing um, super incremental. The World Health Organization Thursday morning provided an update um, that definitely had some encouraging details just talking about in terms of the caseload count so the caseload count had been increasing on a daily basis in China. Um, Wednesday was the first day where you saw the the new case numbers decline versus the prior day. So suggesting that the you know the panic may have peaked. I think in the minds of investors, the panic has clearly peaked. Um, investors clearly appreciate that there will be a severe economic fallout in Q1, but you are going to see a relatively rapid recovery starting in Q2 and beyond. Um, and so you've even seen the effects of companies now, you know, to use to, to use examples of uh, Estee Lauder and Tapestry yesterday, where the guidance looked bad um, for the March quarter, but they also then delineated or provided specifics around the coronavirus impact. And when you added that back, the outlook were fine. And investors are really making the distinction. So you are not seeing companies get penalized necessarily, um, you know, for a big coronavirus impact, so long as it's thought to be ephemeral or just confined to Q1. Um, so that's kind of the latest thinking um, on that front. A lot of earnings in the U.S. last night. Um, that was kind of the last big um, evening of calendar Q1 reports. Most of them are relatively small. Um, I have all the details in the bottle Dawn. No, no reason to kind of go through everything. Um, and then now the focus will shift to the January end earnings season, which is dominated by tech and retail. That kicks off this Wednesday with Cisco, the big highlight report that evening. Um on the political front in the U.S., you know, nothing's really changed from yesterday. So Bernie and Pete are kind of both claiming victory. It looks like Buttigieg has a tiny advantage in delicate count. Um, depending on how you want to massage the numbers, Bernie can make a case for, quote unquote, winning the popular vote. Um, you know, I think it's kind of a moot point at this point. Um, you know, I think the big takeaway is obviously it was a big setback for Biden there were a lot of gloomy articles um, published last night and this morning about the state of the Biden campaign. There is another debate tonight, um, a Demo- Democratic debate tonight. You know, some are calling it a critical moment for Biden. Um, obviously, New Hampshire is next week. Um, the current polls have Bernie um, in the lead in New Hampshire, so he looks like he will have, um, you know, he will do very well in that state. If Biden were to perform, you know, third or even worse in. Um, in New Hampshire, that would obviously be, you know, potentially a fatal setback. I don't think you're going to see any of the top people drop out, um, Bernie, Pete, Warren, or Biden, just given that they all relatively, they all have enough money to kind of last them at least through 
Super Tuesday, but you are hearing reports that Warren and Biden in particular are kind of reshuffling and reallocating some of their media spend, um, suggesting that they are kind of um, looking to conserve money, whereas Bernie and Peter definitely kind of, um, you know, putting the pedal to the floor. And obviously, Bloomberg on Super Tuesday will be very interesting to see how he does, um, given that that's really where he is going to be making his his main stand. Um, so that's kind of it. There are you know a bunch of other interesting items to note. Trump and she spoke overnight. They both reaffirmed their commitment to the phase one trade agreement. Um, you know, again, very kind of perfunctory readout from that call, nothing all that incremental. It definitely looks like China will not be able to meet the purchase commitments for this year. Um, you know, I think that's widely understood and appreciated. I don't think markets are really all that upset. You've seen, you know, multiple reports of of Chinese buyers of external commodities declare force majeure this week given the coronavirus impact. Um, again, in the minds of investors, this is kind of the, the panic has peaked. It's largely confined to Q1, um, and people are kind of you know looking uh, looking forward. Um, there was uh, a couple more interesting articles that are, again these are more interesting. I don't think they really um, impact markets all that much. One in the journal just talking about how American companies are are successfully reorienting their supply chains, keeping manufacturing in China, but they're finding ways to kind of avoid paying a lot of the Trump tariffs. Um, another one just talking about how the eurozone may be grossly, um, maybe maybe calculating their maybe calculating inflation grossly inaccurately, um, which obviously would have a lot of ramifications for policy. Just talking about the weighting that they assign to housing, it's very low compared to other countries, including the U.S. If they were to kind of adjust or normalize their um, inflation methodologies for the U.S., they would have a higher inflation number. Um, and obviously, that would weaken the case for dramatic um, central bank activity. Again, it's more interesting, I think, than, than anything that's going to uh, move markets today. You had um, the quarrels. Fed quarrels spoke overnight on, on the policy front. Very innocuous. You know, I think every Fed official across the board, hawks and doves right now, think that there is no need to change policy. They're all acknowledging um, that you are going to have fallout from the coronavirus. But again, I think um, it's thought to be kind of temporary. So quarrels on the policy front. Um, you know, echoed, I think, the line of other Fed officials. He did make an interesting comment just talking about how um, on the treatment of treasuries from the perspective of banks when they're calculating various liquidity ratios, he said that there may be scope to change some of those rules um, because they may be contributing to the repo stresses that, that were witnessed in markets last year. And this is something that um, several commentators and banks themselves have talked about, um, that a big part of the reason why repo markets seized up last year was because of how the Fed is forcing banks to treat uh, treasuries when they're calculating liquidity ratios. So Quarles said there may be some scope to um, adjust those rules, which would obviously then um, provide some relief to repo markets. Uh, the bank stress test scenarios were published last night by the Fed. Um, there weren't too many dramatic shifts from the 2019 scenarios. There was an interesting comment about how, you know, I think banks with large trading operations could face a little bit larger headwinds in this year's stress test. There are going to be focusing on, um, you know, specifically leveraged loaned books, and then banks that that could be hit by uh, that that do have large counterparty risk. So, um, I don't think you should see banks really move dramatically on on that particular piece of news. Although it may be a mild negative for the larger money center banks that have big trading operations. Uh, and just finally on on oil, so the OPEC Technical Advisory Committee wrapped up yesterday. They are advising OPEC to extend all the existing cuts from March, which is when they're currently scheduled to expire, until the end of this year. And then they're also calling for an incremental 600,000 barrels per day 
in cuts um, starting now and then lasting until June. So that's the recommendation. It's now up to OPEC, the various OPEC countries, to accept it. Russia has not given their final consent. It says they're going to make a decision in a few days, quote unquote. Um, it looks like Russia will probably finally will will ultimately agree to that. I don't know if that's really enough though to spark a big rallying crude. Um, you know, it's relatively minimal. That extra six hundred thousand um, may not even account for the loss of Chinese oil demand for the coming months. Um, you know, so crude this morning is trading about flattish. Um, you know, this may be enough to prevent a, an extra incremental sell-off in crude, but I don't think it's really going to do enough to spark um, a big rally. Uh, so that is essentially everything for today. Like I said, there's a lot of news. There's a lot more in the Vital Dawn this morning, um, but it's kind of, you know, not a lot to really shift the market. I think all you're seeing today is just, you know, profit taking after a big week of gains. Um, looking into the calendar today, the jobs report obviously at 830 will dominate, although um, I'm very hard pressed to find or, or to see a kind of shifting markets one way or the other. I have a big preview in today's Vital Dawn. The Fed will publish its semi-annual monetary policy report today at 11 a.m. And then remember, Powell is testifying on this report next week, Tuesday and Wednesday before we were the House and Senate. Um, there's really not much on the earnings front today. Um, AbbVie is probably the big one this morning. And then the Democratic debate is tonight. Um, and that is the last debate before the New Hampshire um, primary. So that is it for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening.